Today, I have the honor to speak with Dasha Maximoff, who is a founder of the Female Health Community Wealth Co., and she's recognized as a thought leader in the biohacker field. She was part of getting the first Health Optimization Summit up and running in London as the COO. She's someone I greatly look up to when it comes to the health facts. I'm sure you're going to enjoy her just as much as I do. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. All right, everyone. Today on my podcast, we have Dasha Maximoff, who is a wealth of knowledge. I remember the first time I met her, she was quoting books left and right, and then she would pull out the books to even back up the quotes, which it's amazing um, being able to work with her, and I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. So welcome, Dasha. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. I am super excited as well. Um, First off, I met Dasha on WealthCo, which is an amazing women's health platform. I love what it's doing and the growth that it has and where it's going. So tell me a little bit about that, Dash. Yeah. So WealthCo is exactly what you said. It's women's health community. And it is an online platform that is private, off of Facebook, off of social media. And it's a place for women who are doctors, researchers, entrepreneurs, and health explorers to come together and understand and learn the latest health tips, research, and kind of stories specific to women's health. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the overall health of, you know, biohackers or, but it's specific to us because Mm -hmm. last year when I was organizing and, and traveling quite a bit, I noticed that in terms of the health space, the alternative health space, there's a lot of really good information out there, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately there isn't that much specific to women. Mm -hmm. So this is that antidote, that solution to that problem that we saw. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing because not only does it give us research that we're looking for, but we can also connect with like-minded women and just grow our network network as well, which I just love it. So thanks for sharing that. Um, before we dive into the topic, which is women's research and scientific studies um, and the history of it, I just have a few um, quick questions to get us warmed up. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Oh, uh, so I'm originally <laughs> from Russia. I moved to so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to the U.S. when I was three. Uh, so mm-hmm. I am uh, kind of have my foot in both both cultures and both um, both countries, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my health, I guess, my family health, it wasn't top priority. It mm-hmm. wasn't uh, it wasn't a big deal, but it wasn't it wasn't also we weren't overly unhealthy. I would say right. Uh, right. my my mom cooked, cooked quite a bit. My dad cooked quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, at home. So um, we were typical meat and potatoes and right. uh, typical Russian food uh, at home. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I can relate where, you know, we were healthy, but it wasn't like an intentional healthy, I guess you could say. So yeah. um, very relatable, relatable there. And what caused you to get into health? Uh, lots of things. Mm-hmm. One, my mom was diagnosed with cancer Sorry. when I was 18. 
Mm -hmm. uh, two, I, I was working in a really high stress job uh, mm -hmm. in management consulting and I got a stomach ulcer when I was mm -hmm. 23, 24. And I went to a number of different doctors. They all wanted to give me pills or some version of something I didn't want to do. Right. And, uh, and I ended up finding a doctor who ended up giving me a cure, which is a natural cure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started seeing, so the natural cure was drinking carrot juice on an empty mm -hmm. stomach for two months and the ulcer just completely went away. Wow. And so from there, then I really started that. That's where I think it really started mm. uh, because I started to see food truly as medicine. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I think that the next evolution from then onwards was I apprenticed at an Ayurvedic hospital when I was mm. in my later 20s because I got really interested in yoga and Ayurveda as a, as a science of health. Mm. And I love the fact that it was such an old version of of medicine that truly looked into herbs and, uh, and food to say, right. this is a way to heal or allow your body to heal mm -hmm. itself. And then fast forward. And I was working on my master's in neuroscience and I fell and had a concussion. Now this time it wasn't my only concussion. I had had a number of previous concussions because I really like sports <laughs> and, uh, and, and was kind of a daredevil in that, or maybe just an idiot. And uh, so, but the last concussion was the worst one. And that one just took me out completely. So Aww. that because of that last concussion, I ended up having severe depression, anxiety, uh, mm. fatigue, chronic fatigue all the time, um, headaches, and became really sensitive to noises, sounds, and computers, all those mm -hmm. electrical things around me. Basically so everyday that, life things. <laughs> say that again? Basically everyday life things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So and it, it's interesting because concussions are, are one of those invisible injuries that you can't really mm -hmm. see, just like mental health injuries or mm -hmm. issues. And uh, people think that you're fine and everything's great. Mm -hmm. And then boom, it just, mm -hmm. it hits you and you're done. You're exhausted wow. or you're in a bad mood. People are asking you what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's one of those things that's really tough to, to explain. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that got me into this biohacking world and uh, truly mm -hmm. saying, wait, the doctors aren't going to be the ones that mm -hmm. fix this. I'm going right. to have to fix this and right. it's going to have to be a holistic thing that I'm going to do. So it's going mm -hmm. to be my environment. It's going to be my food. It's going mm -hmm. to be the things that are around me that are depleting me from energy. That could mm -hmm. be that. And then that can be many things that can be the technology that could be mm -hmm. toxic relationships that can be, I mean, you name it, mm -hmm. it can impact how you feel. Totally. And so health to me is not just the foods that we're putting into our body, but truly the, the environment, the light mm -hmm. that's around us, whether we're going outside and walking around barefoot, which sounds crazy and hippie, <laughs> but has a lot of good, right. valid science behind it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so inspiring because, you know, you went from having all these struggles and then choosing to have discipline and work on yourself. And here you are and you're doing amazing things. And, you know, you have a focus, like, like I said earlier, you just have so much knowledge and you haven't let it hinder you. You actually are working on yourself. So it's super amazing. <laughs> I, I think, thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's one of those things that I think once you've, and what I really, really love about this health mm -hmm. space and the people that I'm meeting is many of us have these health stories. Many right. of us have these, these 
Yeah. These health stories Mm -hmm. where we've hit rock bottom and we've said either it's rock bottom and there's Mm -hmm. a negative, a really negative side of that, Mm -hmm. or I'm done and I'm going to build myself back up. Right. And that's what I find really interesting to see the progress of not only of yourself, but then once you've Mm -hmm. had that, those little wins, then you can share that with other people around you. And I think that that is that this community that that we have globally now of people who are saying, I am not my ailment. I am not Mm -hmm. my depression. I am not my injury. I, I, these things are around me Mm -hmm. or they're part of, of, of me now, Mm -hmm. but I can do something about it. Definitely. Awesome. I love it. And thinking about the topic that we're going to talk about today. So the history of, you know, women in research and scientific studies, is there a story that you can quick share that you've had um, in regards to that topic that you relate to? Um, What got you into finding out that there's not a lot of research? I think it was just talking to to women who are in this biohacking space Mm -hmm. and many women saying, yeah, that's great, but how does that apply to us? And then looking further into hormones, looking further into the difference between men and women and seeing that, that if you look further into history, which we can get mm-hmm. into, it, it really is new for women to be researched on our own. And right. that in truth, while there are many, many similarities between us and, mm-hmm. and our male counterparts, there are things that dictate whether we should be doing things differently. Mm-hmm. than our male counterparts. Right. Um, so for example, you know, one, one drug that has been the, the story there, and maybe that's an mm-hmm. interesting story for your, for your audience is, right. is the story of Ambien and women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, so basically Ambien is a sleep drug. It's something mm-hmm. that, um, that was tested primarily on men, um, mm-hmm. just because again, of a number of different things within testing requirements. And when it came out into the market, both men and women had the exact same uh, dosage. Hmm. Now, what they found was that women actually end up metabolizing Ambien. I mean, excuse me, women end up metabolizing Ambien slower Mm -hmm. than men do. Um, Ambien goes through the liver and because women have uh, lower concentrations of the liver enzymes than men, Mm. um, then we obviously metabolize the drug more slowly. Meaning Mm -hmm. that if a man and a woman both took Ambien at 8 p.m. at night, Mm -hmm. more Ambien left in the woman's body in the morning. Hmm. Therefore, when she's driving to work, she's still drowsy. She's still kind of, the, the drug is still working on her. Right. And so they, they found that women were getting into more car accidents. And so overnight, the FDA just said, you know what? No, nope, mm-hmm. this is not okay. And they cut the dosage in half. Mm-hmm. So to me, that, things like that. And that wasn't really that, that long ago, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the year, but mm-hmm. Ambien as a drug is not that old. Right. So that, those types of stories make you pause and say, wait, hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if the dosage is going to be different, then what else is different? Right, right. And that's just one small little um, little story of how it affects women so much differently. And then, yeah, thinking about how our bodies work and how we are on a like 28-day cycle compared to men who are on, what, 24, 48-hour cycle. Um, Some even say that, so yeah, t- there's a 24, 48, mm-hmm. and there's also a, another study that I heard, which was 72-day cycle, Yeah, which wow. is a completely different thing. So that also is quite new another, science, and that's fantastic too. Yeah, that's amazing. And we'll have to have another episode on that, <laughs> diving into 
cycles as well. Um, so tell me a little bit about the history of women in scientific studies. Sure. So I, I'm just going to pull up some of these, these dates because they're, yeah. they're interesting. So mm-hmm. 1975, so 45 years ago, the FDA actually restricted women of childbearing age or childbearing mm-hmm. potential from participating in clinical research. Reason being because there was potential issue for impacting the, the fetus or, or the child or the child development, mm-hmm. they thought. So that was only 45 years ago. Oh, yeah. They ended up reversing that in 1985 when they said, wait, there's, there could be a difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. And that primarily was because of heart diseases and heart attacks. So a man, when he has a heart attack, typically it's, it's the, the thing that you see in, in movies, right? It's right. Like the grasping of the heart. He falls to mm-hmm. the ground. It's, it's large versus mm-hmm. it's a large reaction versus women are, it's more subtle. It's mm-hmm. you, you start, stop losing, stop having feelings in your fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start, there, there's twitching, there's things like that. So right. it's heart, a, a heart attack presents itself differently versus men versus women. Hmm. So in 1985, they said, actually, no, we need to change this. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to the 1990s. And they said that there was a federal law passed that said that women needed to be included in clinical research for new drugs and that the results had to be sorted out by sex. Now that mm-hmm. is really, really important because if you have a study of hundred people Mm-hmm. And naturally, what usually happens is that less women will mm-hmm. come and participate in the study, either because they're, they're, they're working moms, they right. don't have time, whatever it may be, there's a right. number of different reasons. Even if you end up having men and women equal participation, what mm-hmm. they found was that they, in the analysis, they would have to pull out a number of women out of the study mm. because of confounding variables or because of just re- other reasons. Yeah. Um, and so what would happen is of those 100 people, mm-hmm. 70 of them would be men, 30 would be women. <laughs> if you look at it that way, it doesn't end up being potentially statistically significant. Therefore, right. you have to throw the, the results out. Right. So the key and the critical part is that the analyses have to be sorted by sex. Mm-hmm. Now, again, for, that was in the 1990s. I'm right. not going to bore you with the rest because we don't have time. But, <laughs> but the next 20 years or so, they have gone back and tr- and said, "Wait, you're not you're not actually doing that. You're not mm-hmm. sorting it by sex. You're mm-hmm. not looking at just the, the the effects on just women alone or just men alone." Mm-hmm. And so, therefore. When you when you combine those two men and women together, then you end up, you end up having really nothing. It doesn't right. it doesn't actually show anything. Right. Um, it just says, oh yes, this drug impacts people in general, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the last thing is that, um, and this is this is something that that I think is quite interesting is that, mm-hmm. um, is that when you have clinical trials, mm-hmm. there's a number of different phases. What, mm. what was found is that there was a lot of men that were being included in the earlier phases and women were not included in those earlier mm. phases. Those earlier phases of drugs, of, of clinical trials, mm-hmm. dictates the dosage levels. Interesting. So if you think about it, what ends up happening is you have four different, clin- uh, four different phases mm-hmm. in the pre- preclinical phase, then you're having more men than women, which mm-hmm. is dictating the dosage. And so any of mm. the reverberating effects down the line Right. are obviously going to still piggyback on the dosage yeah. that was decided upon in the first phase. Which was mainly men. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Yep. So that's the key. It's, it's let's make sure that 
one, the testing, the, the mm-hmm. analyses are done by sex. Mm-hmm. And two, that women are really included at every step along the way. Right. Yeah. And I know you talked earlier about, you know, there's different factors as to why women maybe couldn't be in the study or were and then, you know, dropped out and everything. Um, what are some other reasons that you feel are the reason behind women being so easily left out of studies, like the first phases of those um, tests that they do? What is it that you think is causing that? I think that it's typically, I think it's a recruitment issue Mm. is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a belief that men are easier to study. Mm. Right. I think those are the two big issues. Recruitment Mm -hmm. being that women are, again, they're working, they, or they're at home or they can't Mm -hmm. take time off or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. right? Right. For some reason it's, women don't feel like they want to go to these studies. Hmm. Uh, two is because men are notoriously have, have been historically mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. as easier to study because there isn't the, the annoying issue of our monthly <laughs> cycles right. and of the potential that, that women could, you could start a, tr- a study mm-hmm. that's six months long mm-hmm. and the but, woman isn't pregnant. Yeah. And then four months down the line, she gets pregnant. Right. Now she has to be removed from the study. Right. Right. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, so hmm. that, I think that, that difficulty or that, that chance mm-hmm. recruitment is, or, or it's undesirable to have mm-hmm. a, a participant go halfway through right. a study or three quarters of the way start through the study and then have to pull them out because right. that's money that you've spent that unfortunately you can't do anything mm-hmm. with that data point anymore. Yeah. And you know, it's so difficult with, it can be with women's cycles just in the time of that study. So they could be, you know, in the follicular phase or they could be in the luteal phase. And, you know, as we know, there's different hormone levels in each of those phases, which could have a total effect on the study as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. I like that you bring that point out because, mm-hmm. because that is also one thing that going forward, where I think it needs to go is, is that of saying, all right, we're going to study electromagnetic fields. We're going to study how a cell phone impacts a woman, Mm -hmm. for example, right? Or we're going to study fasting. We're Mm going to talk about fasting for women. Great. Mm -hmm. Then the next evolution is going to be, all right, let's understand where you are in your cycle and how fasting is impacting you. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think that's a really great point that you brought up of, Mm First off, we need to get to the point where it is analyze the sex. Mm-hmm. And then as we get further along, then it's, okay, talk to us about, about your monthly cycle. But also then the next evolution is where mm-hmm. are you in your, in your life cycle? Right. You know, are, you, are, are you in perimenopause? Are you in menopause? Have, mm-hmm. are you, have you had a child? Have you had a miscarriage? Have you, right. are, are you unable to, to get pregnant? You right. know, all those different things even in women are, are going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy journey, which is yeah. great because we have yeah. so much more to learn, which is amazing in my opinion. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of exciting. I mean, despite the fact that we don't have a lot of research on us, it's exciting because we see the potential for these studies and, you know, we want to have it done right as well, which yeah. is. And I, and I think of so many women right now who are saying, 
our, our time is now. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and what's beautiful is that you've got, so the femtech industry, for example, is I think mm-hmm. 800, was it 800 million? Mm-hmm. Um, in fun- yeah, they got 800 million in funding in the past 18 months and they're primed to become a $50 billion industry by 2025. Wow. wow. So women are, or women and men are starting to see the potential in understanding women's health more Mm. even from a consumer and product and buying things side of things forget Mm. even the research side of things right femtech Mm -hmm. is specifically things that people can buy or and spend money on rather than just laboratory science exactly right so interesting um and thinking about men and women what are some of the common things in life that we often equate as the same for both sexes but is actually should be totally different and is affecting our bodies so much differently. I mean, yes, we are aware that basically everything affects us differently, but what are some big things that so many people think, oh yeah, you know, it's the same for both. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so I'll, I'll, maybe I'll rephrase the question a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is, you know, why are women different than men or where do we mm. see the differences in men? Right. And the differences that, that I've seen or kind of the, the, the studies show is, is in a number of different health issues. Mm-hmm. So cardiovascular diseases, for example, is the number one killer of, of us women. And wow. that affects men and women in a very different manner. Hmm. It's the symptoms, it's the risk factors, it's the outcomes. It's, um, it's, how it presents itself. So cardiovascular Mm. disease, we look and feel very, very different. Right. Anxiety and depression, women have two times the amount of anxiety and depression than men do. So it's, it could be a matter that women Mm -hmm. are more open about this. Could Mm be. Um, It also could be that there are things like birth control pills, which I'm not against Mm. birth control pills, but there's a Mm -hmm. lot of science uh by sarah hill and she's incredible mm-hmm. um who who talks about birth control and the brain yeah. and how a lot of young girls who are starting birth control on mm-hmm. at 16 at 17 because <laughs> <I've known> 14 <laughs> at 14 exactly right. like early on mm-hmm. and the problem is that women's brains are continuing or both mm-hmm. men and women but women's brains continue developing until they're 23 24 25 right. yeah so if that's the case and you've started birth control <laughs> at 14, mm-hmm. how is that impacting your brain development? Totally. I and mean, so what they're finding yeah. is that birth control could potentially hit, have an impact, a rever- reverberating impact on depression and anxiety mm-hmm. into the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, yeah. and so the, the two times of anxiety, two times of women being more likely to have anxiety and depression than men. There are a number of different reasons there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is that, that there are more women statistically than men having anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other one that, that I want to call out is autoimmune disorders. Mm. And they're saying that th- women are three times as likely to be diagnosed with autoimmune disorders, wow. like multiple sclerosis. <laughs> um, so you have, but 70, 80% of all autoimmune disorders are women. And by age mm. 50, what they're saying is five to 10% of women in the US will have an autoimmune disorder like MS, arthritis, wow. lupus, IBS, Hashimoto's, psoriasis. Mm-hmm. So it's autoimmune disorders in general are on the rise mm. and women seem to be more prevalent towards them mm. than men. Wow, that's crazy. And 
why do you think that you know, autoimmune disorders are so common in women? Um, is there any specific environmental factors that you think lead to that? Um, I mean, we talked about birth control um, having effects on the woman's body. Um, what are some factors that you think are leading to that? Honestly, I'm not too sure. I, I can get, I can make an educated guess, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, and I think that there's an element of, of the thyroid, right. And, mm-hmm. and of, of the hormonal imbalance that leads right. to, uh, to some of these or can have an impact to some of these. So mm-hmm. it could be that, that we as women, because our hormones are so out of whack because mm-hmm. of our environment, then we are, and, and because women are more sensitive, our hormones are more, mm. more of a symphony in us. Uh, mm. and it's easier for us to get out of balance because of that. Right. I would say that that could be a, a factor. Um, I'm not an expert in autoimmunity, right. but to me, that's, that makes sense because totally. if you look at the environment, it's, we're, we're in a toxic soup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything around us is, has some sort of a negative effect. Mm-hmm. The cell phones, our water, our food, our mm-hmm. blue light that we have coming from our computers every night before we go to mm-hmm. sleep. Uh, the air quality. I mean, when you think about it, you know, start yeah. delving into it. You're like, this we're 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 right. ourselves left, right, and center. Right. And, so, and each of those things that I just said, all of them have an impact on your hormones. Mm-hmm. So if women totally. are more hormonal, literally, not not <laughs> in the sense of oh, she's hormonal, right. But, we do our hormones mm-hmm. change every single week. Yep. Then, <laughs> then <laughs> oh all yeah, things are around us that are impacting our hormones. Then hypothetically, that could that could be a a, a right. reason for it. But that's a, that's just a guess on my yeah. End. Totally, I totally agree with you. And yeah, where we don't know specifically, but those are definitely big factors that have been affecting women for the past few years, and um, definitely have an effect on our hormones for sure. Um, so in regards to finding solid research for women, what tips do you have if there's any listeners that are like, okay, well, what should I do if I want to find good studies? Do you have any tips for them? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you are into kind of willing and ready and, and to, to read, Mm -hmm. I would go to meta, M E T A. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic Resource meta.com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a fantastic resource uh, that pulls in from PubMed, from NCI, mm-hmm. from all the other resources and pulls it in and aggregates it. So you can mm-hmm. quickly go there and type in whatever you're interested in and mm-hmm. it will pull from everything. I like that quite, quite a bit because mm-hmm. it just, it's like Google, right? Yeah. Rather, You've gotten me into it and I love it as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, then I think also when looking at research, it's, it's important to look at the, the number of, of participants, mm-hmm. whether it's by sex, obviously, um, right. and, and just really read through the paper. <laughs> it's very, uh, when I was, when I was doing my master's, one of the things that we had was we were, we were, we would have journal clubs mm. and in those journal clubs, you just beat up a paper mm-hmm. and it's fan- fascinatingly scary and fantastic to <laughs> because you'll read the entire, you'll read the intro, mm-hmm. you read everything, the abstract, methods, everything in it. Mm. And then the conclusion just doesn't fit. (laughs) So if you end up finding a paper and just read the intro and the conclusion, you potentially aren't, the two don't match always. And so it's, it's, it behooves people to read these things with a very critical eye, almost Mm. 
like playing a game of where are they trying to trick me? Mm-hmm. And I don't say that because, because researchers are trying to trick anybody. Right. It's just sometimes we do still have inherent human bias mm-hmm. and even researchers, we, you know, we, we have issues of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of having a human bias. Right. Uh, so it's, and we try to, to stop that. You, right. you try to have double blind placebo mm-hmm. controlled tests, but mm-hmm. it doesn't always work that way. Right. right. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would make sure that you're really reading into mm-hmm. the, in, not only the intro and the conclusion, but everything that's in between mm-hmm. as well. And then also taking a look to see where, you know, the, the best papers are going to be written in nature and cell, mm-hmm. things like that, but also not only stopping there, right? That sometimes those papers are, are older or it takes longer to get through, mm-hmm. uh, to get, to get things published in there. So I have on meta, for example, I have certain topics that I'm really interested in and I mm-hmm. have a prompt that sends me an email throughout the mm-hmm. week. And so if I'm, re- for example, if I was diagnosed with something, mm-hmm. I would probably go that route. I would mm. uh, look into the research that um, and have something that's prompted that sends me the latest information. Right. That's great. And I like that you bring up to look at the meat of the study versus just the intro and the conclusion, because you know, I'm sure there are many people, myself included, that, you know, want almost like the Cliff Notes version where I'll just read the intro and the conclusion and I got it. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a, that's a great reminder to anyone that's looking to get solid research. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would point out is do it on yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? yeah. It's there. And one of the things that we want to do within WealthCo is really start having more of those self-studies mm. and that citizen science approach, because it, the studies can say whatever, but mm-hmm. if it doesn't apply to me, right. I don't really care to right. some extent. <laughs> And so yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's one of those things. And we were talking on, uh, before we got on air is, mm-hmm. is try something for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Your body takes a while to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. We were talking about CBD, for example, beforehand, yeah. and it's trying it just once. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. But in truth, your body needs time to adjust to it. Mm-hmm. So doing it every, doing something, whatever the something is, cold showers, mm-hmm. ice baths, uh, CBD, trying a new diet, trying mm-hmm. to remove things from your diet, things like that, mm-hmm. 30 days minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And in this culture that we have today of, I want it quick, I want it now, right. I want, it, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's given me ideas for possible challenges that we could have in WealthCo now. <laughs> so I love nice. it. Nice. Um, to start wrapping up, what are some takeaways that you want listeners to grab from this episode? Research is complicated. Health is complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes and yes. (laughs) uh, However, I I do think there is a beautiful future ahead. We have Mm -hmm. technology that we can use for wearables, for helping us track different things, for, for helping prompt us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new app actually that, that a friend of mine put together, uh, it's called awesome labs and mm-hmm. it's, it just came out this week. Um, I and think I saw your days. post on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I've used it for two days. I absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> it's basically, uh, you take a picture of your food mm-hmm. and it helps you start with intermittent fasting because mm-hmm. now I'm seeing on my calendar, Oh wait, I'm eating outside of my desired uh-huh feeding window. Yeah. So I, I like to say that I can, I, I only eat eight hours a day mm-hmm. uh, from 10 to six and past two days I've been eating at seven. 
you know, right. so I'm outside that, that feeding window. And so it's the, it's those behaviors. So I think mm-hmm. there, while health is complicated, while women's health is complicated, mm-hmm. it's the, the beautiful thing that, that gives me joy and interest is that we have many tools available to us now that right. we never did before. Right. And I think that a lot of women are starting to say, I want to take control. I mm-hmm. want to understand myself. I want to get this. Mm-hmm. I want to do a, a Dutch hormonal panel test mm-hmm. and I want to read those analyses and I want mm. to understand it. I'm not just going to outsource it to my doctor and say, tell me what it is, doc. Mm-hmm. Right? I really want to understand the, the estrogen pathways. Mm-hmm. I want to understand what is, what is seed cycling? What can I do mm-hmm. during, during the month? Right. I think that there's, so it's a long-winded answer, but I think that's that's one thing that of 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 empowerment. I think mm-hmm. I would love people to to take away. Um, and right. and then the other thing is realizing that you are your own doctor to some mm-hmm. extent. And I mm-hmm. I say that to some extent because while health is challenging, it's really helpful to have people around mm-hmm. that you can go to and say, "I'm not understanding this," mm-hmm. and having doctors or um, you know, people or naturopaths or, or mm-hmm. whoever it is that's around that can guide you mm-hmm. is very helpful. But I would say, take control, yeah. take control of your own health, because frankly, nobody is going to care about it as much as you do. Right. I went to 14 different doctors, different specialists around the globe mm. for my, for my concussions. And they all shrugged their shoulders when, <laughs> when the test came back negative. Now mm. I have to live with this chronic fatigue and these right. headaches every day. They see me for, even if I went to a really good doctor and he gave mm-hmm. me two hours of his time, that's it. Right. So it, it, I should be responsible and I should look at that in, in a way of this is mm-hmm. great. I am in right. control. I can change this mm-hmm. um, rather than, oh, well, my doctor said he doesn't know. And so therefore it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Finding that necessity and no one knows your own body better than yourself. So where yes, you can get knowledge from outside sources, but you know, you really won't know how it affects you until you work, do work on yourself and research for yourself. Mm-hmm. And trusting that intuition. I yeah. remember uh, when I was a kid, when my mom would give me hot dogs, I would always say, mom, <laughs> my head hurts when I eat the hot dogs. Mm. My head hurts. Right. It was the weirdest thing. Now, uh-huh. fast forward. You do like ears. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and we're saying, oh, that's why my head hurt. Yeah, because it has a whole bunch of crap in it. Yeah, um, makes sense. All right. <laughs> so trust that intuition. And if there's mm, a certain food that doesn't that. agree with you or or if you're just not hungry, that's not it's not a requirement to to eat three solid mm-hmm. meals a day. It's if if you know, start being a little bit more selfish about your own health mm-hmm. because one of the things I noticed is when I did become selfish and saying, nope, I don't want to do that, or that mm-hmm. doesn't fit, or I, you know, it was annoying for my family at first, sure, mm-hmm. and yeah. friends who are saying, well, why can't we go to that restaurant, whatever, right? right. But I ended up having better sleep, or mm-hmm. I ended up feeling better, and then mm-hmm. I was able to show up better for them totally. and for myself. Right. So while it seems selfish in the immediate, mm-hmm. in the long term, you're going to be a, a more pleasant person to be around <laughs> if you're not struggling with bloating and brain fog and not being able to sleep. Exactly. How can you pour into others when, you know, you're not filled up your own self and yeah, if you want to serve better, you have to work on yourself first. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and last but not least, a few rapid fire questions to end us off. Oh boy. 
these are fun. <laughs> so who is the most influential woman you have in your life or had in your life? My mother. Mm. She is a force. She's had cancer three times. Wow. She's the most positive person I've ever met ever. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and her mindset is, is strong as steel. She's just incredible. Mm. That's amazing. We love our moms. That's for sure. <laughs> what is your favorite food? Lately, Burmese food. Mm. It's so comforting and tasty. Oh. I'm over it. It's so good. Oh, yum. <laughs> but, I love food. I mean, you can give me Yeah, anything. usually usually a soup of some sort. I really like mm. soup. Something about it is cozy. It's warm. It's filling. Um, mm. And you can make it ahead of time. Definitely. Oh, delicious. Are you a past, present, or future thinker? present and future Mm. I it's 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 a constant battle I think but um this past year especially I've been really 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 letting go of the of the past Mm. uh, because that's that's where I've been it's not where Mm. I'm going so Mm -hmm. I think I've in terms of that I've let go not let go fully because we're all Mm. on our own journeys (laughs) but uh (laughs) but yeah I would say I'm I'm either present or future probably mm-hmm. leaning more towards future because I'm always running towards something. Right. Always seeing a vision for something. <laughs> um, what is your favorite travel destination or what's your dream destination? Favorite is Italy because they mm-hmm. know how to live life. Mm-hmm. Dream is somewhere in South America, South America uh, in general. I've never yeah. been. And they just, it feels like full a fun place overall, right. like the whole continent. Yeah. <laughs> it seems, it seems, seems colorful. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And I think one of the things with um, even thinking about health as well is, is the idea of enjoyment and having fun. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we can get bogged down in this, right. oh, I have to take this supplement and I have to do mm. this and I have to track <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, it's, yeah. and I think the, the true, true version of health for me, and if you look at these blue ocean places where people are mm. living until they're yeah. 100, it's... Yeah it's because they enjoy and right. they relish in the moment. They relish in, in singing outside, dancing mm-hmm. outside, making fun of each other um, yeah. and enjoy that community vibe. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I think the places that I enjoy visiting are mm-hmm. places which are full of that vibrancy and, Ugh. and the, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have that same mentality of like, okay, you know, certain things that I do for my health are not going to be beneficial if I'm, you know, stressed and worrying about taking it at a certain time or did I take it or did I go do that? And yeah, yeah. And I, think, I think one of the largest, um, there's a really good book called Community Cure by James Maskell. Mm-hmm. And it really talks to that point of loneliness and mm-hmm. how loneliness really is an epidemic. And that when somebody is not lonely, their drugs actually work better. Mm. so a large part of (laughs) of of our health is our community and it's being around good people and having fun Mm -hmm. yeah enjoying life Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally last question so if money didn't matter what are the top health gadgets or biohacking tools that you know you would have or you would buy yeah um i would buy an island Hmm. Because (laughs) I've I've answered this question on on a panel a couple weeks ago, Uh and it's still the truth. Because 
I love these gadgets. I think they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I think they're fantastic in this modern world. Yeah. When we unfortunately are forced to live inside, we're forced Mm -hmm. to, to burn the midnight oil. We're forced to, to have this amount of stress. Uh, But if we didn't, if we were able to pull ourselves away, mm-hmm. then we probably wouldn't need all these gadgets, right? right? I mean, think about it. You got red light therapy. What mm-hmm. is that? That's a fire. You've mm-hmm. got cryotherapy. That's just being outside in the cold mm-hmm. or being cold adapted. Mm-hmm. You've got um, all these EMF protecting devices. That's because we all have where it's in a toxic <laughs> soup of EMF, right. right? So if I had my island um, <laughs> and all the sun I, you need, <laughs> yeah, I would be, sw- I'd be swimming in the ocean. I'd be, grounding. I'd be getting pure vitamin D from the sun. Yes. I would my, yeah. So I think that mm-hmm. for me, that would be the best health hack. And so Ugh. I'd buy the island and then I would invite all the people that I like. I love it. Me. You'd have that socialization everything you check all the boxes sounds great when are we going (laughs) done so cool you know (laughs) yeah we'll get there eventually (laughs) that's so awesome well I have had such an amazing time with you Dasha this was such a joy I've learned so much from you and um, I really hope my listeners find the same as well so thank you likewise likewise it's been a blast Awesome. Better Health with April offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.